The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Ecclesia, it is a blessing to be back in this room with you. Many of you were in this room with me on Friday night for turning wine to water, and we were able to um, celebrate. We, I think we have some photos of a really fun night together. You don't need a photo of me. I don't know why they pulled that up there. There was food and there was wine and there were amazing things. And you know what? Uh, in a really difficult time where we had to stand together and drink wine and make conversation, we raised over $100,000 to bring clean water to people. Uh, Not a bad way to spend a Friday night, I'm just telling you, to get together with people who love Jesus and make a difference in the world. Uh, it's really, really hard to beat, and we get to be a part of that in some really big ways, and I'm going to invite you uh, to give today in some ways that I think will change our Advent and really believe uh, change the world. We're in the third week of Advent, and if you're new to Ecclesia, uh, over the last... Um, almost 15 years, we've been celebrating Advent a little bit differently. And it began for us uh, when I was on an overseas trip. Because I'm a pastor and I love Jesus, I'm willing to go to foreign lands that some of you won't go to because I love Jesus a little bit more. So I was in the Bahamas. Um, and while I was there suffering for the Lord in the Bahamas with some pastor friends, one of my pastor friends, kind of out of the blue, we were talking about the things we would face when we got back. And one of those was Christmas, and he just said words that changed our day and changed our church and many others. And he just said really honestly, like, I can't stand, I'm like, I'm going back to Christmas, and I, I hate Christmas. And it didn't sound very Christian, but if you were a pastor, you knew what he was saying. That part of what we do is we're in a season we're supposed to be inviting you to worship Jesus and experience this transformation. And what we typically experience is that we're pastoring and leading you and praying for you and getting up and talking and you're not really listening. In fact, most of us are doing the opposite. We're digging deeper into debt. We're investing all the things that don't bring life and matter. And by the end of that season, you're actually worse off than you were at the beginning of it. And for us, it's pretty frustrating. And so we spent the day, we started going, what would be the challenges we would make to our church if we came back and just almost having to poke them in the eye a little bit and say like, what if we did this different? And we came up with four tenets and Sean shared two of those with you the last couple of weeks, that we're gonna be a people that worship fully, that in this season it ought to be about Jesus and nothing else. We ought to worship Jesus, the songs we play. You ought to have time uh, in your day to read scripture and meditate and, and set a pace that's actually good for you that we wanna be a people that spend less, that the Christmas season should not be a season that's about consumerism. It's an untold billions of dollars that's spent at Christmas, and a lot of it doesn't do any good for the world, and most of it were in, in presents that you don't even remember from last year. You don't even have a clue what you got. That we said we could actually be a people that spend less, but could give more. And that's what I get to talk to you about today. What does it look like to be a people that are actually radically generous? Now, my fear today is that this will be one of those things that just becomes a little bit legalistic. So it's like, well, I'm supposed to give, like I gotta give. And, and in the midst of it, right, it's just like give more. It becomes a little bit like, I, I shouldn't tease my dad because he's been sick. Um, but he's a pastor and he teased me in sermons forever, so I'm going to keep doing it. And when we were growing up, we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't do big vacations. We would do like Galveston or 
more what we would call now like staycations, which meant we just went and played putt-putt that night. But even putt-putt felt expensive. So my dad, whenever he spent money, it was like this, have fun now kind of thing, right? <laughs> and it was just like, okay, we'll try. And we just, it wasn't actually an environment that was conducive for having fun, right? And my fear for you is you're gonna hear like, give more, just give more, right? Well, maybe not, right? Like, it's important that you give. If you look at your life and your finances and your, the things you, and it's all about you, I'm just telling you, you're gonna have a hundred other problems that result from that. I'm just telling you. But, but real generosity flows from the heart. Real generosity is something that's like you, you just want to do it. Kristen makes fun of me a lot because when I get a gift I'm really excited about, like, I'm not going to exactly tell you what you're giving, but I'm just going to talk about it enough that you might figure it out, right? Because I'm just so excited about this gift that I'm going to give you. And what we learn in this season is like this thing to give to people things that really matter to them, like it's really, really fun. Now, the challenge is, right, there's some things where you're like, well, I'm not really feeling it, so I'm not going to do it, right? It's like in my home, I had to learn, like, you don't just take out the trash because you're feeling love for your family, right? You just take out the trash and then you hope while you're taking it out, you start to love your family. And if you don't, take out the trash anyway, right? And, and there's some of us like, you may just have to give for a while and ask God to get your heart to a place that you enjoy that giving. But, but giving is the most significant and beautiful thing that we get to do. And, and the scriptures talk to us a lot in different places about what those standards look like, that it's not all about us. One of the most challenging and beautiful and clear comes from Luke chapter three. And John the Baptist says it this way. And we don't quite know what to do with his words, right? This is what John says. We just did a coat drive at Ecclesia. I'm sure we can still take more. A lot of them went to the middle school, uh, our Nestoy community, our brothers and sisters that are living on the streets are going to get a lot today and other days, and we'll be sharing those. John the Baptist said it this way. He said, the person that has two shirts or two coats must share with the person who has none. Now, this is a hard one for us where we're like, we're like, did he mean like if you had two brown sport coats? Like, and does it mean different shades of brown? Because I mean, sometimes, and you can't wear a brown jacket with black boots. I mean, you got to figure this out, right? And how many of you have like a lot of coats? You don't have to raise your hand. Got a lot, and we're like, is there an exception in this clause? Like, is it really, I'm just supposed to have one? And then he says, right, and the person with food must share with the one in need. How many of you have more food in your pantry than you can eat today? The rest of you, how many of you are never gonna raise your hand, no matter how many questions I ask you? John the Baptist says, if you have more food than you can eat, then you should share it. You know, one of the best things that happened for me in our city this month was the thing everybody else hated, and I hate it for a number of reasons, but I loved it in some ways when our, uh, we had our own little mini Houston water crisis. I told the folks at Wanda Water this week, like when you're a pastor and part of your goal is to help people try to imagine what it might be like to lack access to clean water. Houston having a little miniature water crisis is one of the best things that can ever happen for you. Because you know what? There was like this fractional chance of a small amount of bacteria getting into a massive water system and we melted down and we had to cancel schools all week. We didn't know what to do. Some of you 
didn't drink water, you're dehydrated. How many of you boiled your water? Anybody actually boil it? Some of us went to the store and couldn't find water. There were people in our city that didn't shower because they were afraid it was gonna get into their mouth. How many of you were, the, you were that person? Like, I'm not even gonna shower because it's somehow gonna crawl into my mouth, the water, right? And, and the truth is, right? Like, if you drink water in the shower, it's kind of gross anyway. <laughs> but for us, there was this like fractional chance of some small amount of contamination where in places that we're connected all across the globe, you're gonna hear about it later in Cambodia. People are drinking from rivers and streams where they know 100% that water's contaminated and it's all they've got. And so for us, we hear the words of John the Baptist and we have to say, for those who have extra water, which there are a lot of places in the world I go to and people will literally just look at me like, so you flush your toilets with filtered water, right? They just can't wrap their head around it, right? So those who have extra water, which is you, congratulations, no matter who you are today, you are in the wealthiest people on the planet. You're like, well, I live in a small, cheap apartment. Yeah, so do I. And you are among the wealthiest people on the planet. And in the midst of that ecclesia, we got to figure out, how do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Joseph Campbell has a great quote, and I think it's, in some ways, it's what I want to guide all of us towards, about how to live the kind of life we're supposed to live. And he says this, he says, a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. Ecclesia, this is why we're a part of the church. Because when we give every month, when we support the work that we do, every day in Poland right now, a thousand loaves of bread go out to people that need it through Poland into Ukraine, right? And all over Ukraine, a thousand loaves of bread to people that are really hungry. At the Venezuela border, thousands of people are fed every month because we exist as a church. Because when we gather what we do, and there are literally hundreds and hundreds, you're gonna hear about 600 wells drilled in Cambodia today that exist because we're a church. And when we give our lives to something that has meaning, it gives us purpose and it's a gift. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And as we think about gifts that we are going to give each other as well, my hope in this season is that they would be things that actually make the world a better place. You think about what people say when you give a really good gift. Like you give a gift, what's the best thing somebody can say? If, if they open it and they go, wow, that's so expensive. Does that sound like a compliment? Like, you spent a lot of money on me. What if they say, they open and they go, that is so thoughtful, right? Like, you thought about me. John Rulin in this beautiful book, Giftology, if you wanna give great gifts, it's a great book to read, says a few things that I think are helpful. He says, it's not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. He says, remember, it's not the thought that counts, but it's the thoughtful thought that counts. Personalization is what turns an ordinary gift into an extraordinary gift. Right? 
And some of us naturally excel at it. I've got a son who's here today who's like an exceptional gift giver. He just loves, he loves to think about it. He plans at it. There are some of you, it just comes natural. And for the rest of us, like we have to think about it and work at it, but just buying what's on sale and just punching a credit card, it won't actually make the world a better place. And in the midst of it, our challenge to you is to say, what if you focus more on giving your presence with a C than your presence with a T? and that the presence that you give might actually require your presence with a C. That you actually get to sit, my dad doesn't want another bag of coffee from me, but he would love it if I make a commitment to come drink that coffee with him. Because for most of us, and if you're a kid, just so you know, parents only really want one thing, they want your time and attention. We just wanna feel like you actually know we exist. And maybe for a minute, you might like us, right? That'd be an awesome thing to feel at Christmas time or any other. So let's give gifts that embody that love. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, I could give all that I have to feed the poor. I could surrender my body to be burned as a martyr. But if I do not live in love, I gain nothing by my selfless acts. Paul's right. Let's care for the poor. Let's do all those things. And let's share what we give, all of it, in love. Secondly, and it'll feel disconnected, but it's true to all of it. This season... This month is a season that brings all kinds of feelings and memories to the surface. During our wine to water event, I was talking to my friends, David and Allie, and I was telling them how we were drinking a wine from the Holy Land. And literally this wine from the Holy Land, if I sip it, I can close my eyes and almost feel like I'm in the Holy Land. It just, it takes me back. And they were saying they rented a house this summer and they, they had a linen closet and you could open the linen closet and it was like the perfect mixture of the smell of mildew and clean linens. That was like exactly grandma's house, right? And my friend Allie said like, literally, I felt all the emotions of grandma's house, right? Just open this closet and it just sang. And this is what you need to know. This season is gonna be a season that all kinds of feelings come to the surface for you. Almost all of us are going into this season with the absence of some people that we love, that we used to celebrate with. And that's hard. Those feelings don't just go away. And what we wanna do is acknowledge them. Every one of us has challenging family members, right? right? Every family has somebody that like doesn't bring any food to Christmas and then doesn't want to wash dishes afterwards either, right? And we're not keeping score, but we're keeping score, right? And we're like, are you kidding me? And this is what you need to know. Like Jesus put that person in your family to test your character. Just so you know, that's why they're there. Every family has to have one. And you got to decide like, how am I going to be kind and loving to this person? As those emotions come up, I want you to to recognize them and try to deal with them in healthy ways, not in unhealthy ways. Because I can tell you, part of what I do as a pastor in January is help people put the pieces back together of major family explosions. Now I'll also tell you, like the political environment and the former president made life a lot harder. Like just don't talk about politics over the holidays, okay? But it, it won't go well. But a lot of families just have had these explosions. Fred Rogers, the magnificent Mr. Rogers, says it this way, he's filled with so much brilliance. Fred's an ordained minister, or was, God rest his soul. He, he says it this way, he says, confronting our feelings and giving them appropriate expression always takes strength, not weakness. 
It takes strength to acknowledge our anger. Now, you got to know this. Like, anger's going to come to the surface. Talk about it, express it, feel it. Don't wait till you blow up, right? Like, actually feel it. Think, why am I angry? What is this about? Where does this come from? And sometimes more strength yet to curb the aggressive urges that anger may bring and channel them into nonviolent outlets. This is my encouragement to you. Don't do something that damages relationships or people in this season. You, you've been hurt by people, and you know what? Hurt people hurt people. And in this season, like a lot of that stuff comes to the surface. Don't do anything to make it worse. He says, it takes strength to face our sadness and to grieve and to let our grief and anger flow in tears when they need to. A lot of us blow up because we're afraid to cry. He says, it takes strength to talk about our feelings and to reach out for help and comfort when we need it. Ecclesia, this season can be a season of healing or it can be one that you do what I learned early on, like in a, especially in a religious environment. Just stuff it down and ignore it and wait till it blows up. Just don't do that. As you feel it, express it and walk through it. Thirdly, this is my invitation. As you think about gift giving and you think about scheduling, would you do this? Don't focus on the wrong things. Don't get so busy that you miss the opportunities to really love the people in front of you that you love. Don't focus on gifts. Have you ever wondered, do we give gifts that might actually make people's life worse sometimes? Or at the very least, maybe not worse, we don't intend it to be worse, but it just leads them to more further focus on the wrong things. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is in 1 Samuel. And Samuel has sent to the house of David, he's supposed to size up all of David's brothers and he's gonna figure out who's gonna be the next king, right? And he gets there. He gets there and there's all these brothers and the first one, the oldest, is literally like, Elia is tall, strong, smart, athletic. He's literally built like an NFL tight end. And Samuel gets there and he's like, that's what kings look like, like that's the king. And God starts to tell him, no. And God says something to him in 1 Samuel that literally it's something every one of us needs. And he said, he said, Samuel, God doesn't see things as man sees things. Like when God looks, and so you got this little scrawny guy, David, and David is the right guy. David is the king because God doesn't see what man sees. Now, we all ought to give gifts that are practical and we all need clothes. But I gotta tell you, is there anybody here that thinks God ever looks down and is like, I'm just so proud of his wardrobe. Like, he's just so fashionable. I just, I've been wanting to have a son there on earth that would be that fashionable and it just means a lot to me, right? Anybody think God's ever thought that, right? I mean, wear what you wear, express yourself the way you express yourself. But if you focus on it in an unhealthy way, don't allow Christmas to be a time that we just further that hyper-focus on how we look and what we wear and the wrong right jewelry and all the rest of it and how we put ourselves forward to others. Instead, let's give gifts that build each other up spiritually, that call us into community, that invite uh, our whole community to see things differently, right? Some of the best gifts you can give in this season would be anonymous. One of the reasons anonymous gifts are so good is because they mess with people's head. Like, give your neighbors gift cards and they don't know who it's from, and this is what happens. They're gonna have to be nice to all of their neighbors because they don't know who gave them the gift, right? 
So literally that person is like, I just, I want to hate those people, but what if they're the ones that gave us the gift card, right? We got to be nice to them. I'm just telling you, this is the season you can mess things up. You can stir the pot and it can be really, really beautiful. Lastly, and we'll close with this and go to communion. You can give gifts that change the world. And our suggestion during Advent is that there's one gift that's super important. And it's to the one whose birth we celebrate. Our kids knew this from the beginning in Advent Conspiracy. We just asked them, like, if there was a birthday party and everybody gave each other gifts, but nobody gave the gifts to the birthday boy or birthday girl, like, how would that feel? The kids are like, that's ridiculous, right? That's wrong. And they're like, well, yeah, we ought to give our best gift to Jesus. The rest are just party favors. And Jesus said what? If you want to give gifts to him, how do you do it? Somebody's been to church before to the least of these, right? He says, if you give to the least of these, then you gave to me. What does he say specifically? If you give water in my name, you gave it to me. And so the offering that we gather every year is to say, we believe that nobody should be in the place that we pretended to think we were at for three days and melted down the whole city. We should say, if it's within our power, Proverbs 3 says it this way, Solomon says, it's right somewhere there. He says, if, it's in, if there's someone's in need and if it's within your power, something like that, I'm paraphrasing it, shoot, I, there it is. You can, I know you have it. We don't have it. That's it. I paraphrased it, but it's the Bible. You want to get it right. Do not withhold what is good from those who deserve it. Anybody think there's a baby on the planet that deserves to drink water from a river or stream? He says, do not withhold what is good from those who deserve it. And if it's within your power to give it, then do it. I wanna invite you to consider the most important gift you're gonna give in this season. And in our church, we've said, if we will give that gift together to clean water, that's what will matter. And one of those years past, we had an Ecclesian that started asking me, well, I married this beautiful, amazing woman from Cambodia, and they need clean water there. He started telling me, why don't, you, why don't you get living water to do work there? And this is the problem at Ecclesia. If you give me an idea, I'm going to flip it back on you. So I'm gonna, I told him, great, why don't you bring living water there? And he said, okay. So I said, let's get you trained to drill water wells. And so... This is our young brother, Brett Medlin. He's been an Ecclesian for more than 20 years, and he'll share with you part of what we do uh, with some of our Advent giving every year. My name is Brett Medlin. This is my wife, Sitan Medlin. Uh, we're the founders of Rock Foundation Cambodia uh, since 2011. Our main function in Cambodia, we, we drill clean water wells. Uh, we import containers and medical supplies. We distribute a lot of rice and um, and just try to meet other tangible needs of the Cambodian people. I have been a member of Ecclesia for almost 20 years. Been incredibly blessed uh, from the days of Taft Street to this facility. And, um, you know, Ecclesia has been so instrumental in our ministry because from day one, they have supported me. In 2011, I founded Rock Foundation. 
And our main goal was to go out into areas where nobody else was doing ministry, nobody else was serving the poor. One day, I saw somebody holding a baby with the baby bottle. And I asked them, hey, are, are you, uh, is that tea that the, that the baby is drinking? They said, no, this is water. I said, where, where did this water come from? And we walked about half a mile to a stagnant pond. And this is where they were getting their previous water source. About 2012 or so, Pastor Chris asked me, hey, would you like to learn how to drill water wells? I said, absolutely. Got to train with Living Water. Got to go to Kenya and get some more hands-on training. And in the past probably six or seven years, we've drilled uh, 610 water wells for the people of Cambodia. This has benefited hundreds of thousands of people uh, directly in partnership with Ecclesia. I, I just don't see how we would have such a, a kingdom impact that we've had in Cambodia if it wasn't for Ecclesia. Very happy, glad that I work with the Rock Foundation and I'm very happy like Ecclesia like, help support us further well and like, we can help the people there. This project wouldn't be possible without Ecclesia. 20-year relationship that's developed into serving the poorest of the poor. It's just hard to put into words, man, the impact that the people of Ecclesia have had in our ministry in Cambodia. Uh, thank you, Ecclesia, for your partnership. Thank you for everything that you've invested in us. And um, I hope that we've been good stewards of it and that we can continue to partner together for years to come to benefit the people of Cambodia and around the world. My invitation to you every Advent is to say that there are a lot of consumer gifts that you can give that a year from now you, you'll almost regret. You're gonna buy something and it won't be in fashion anymore. You're gonna buy your kids plastic toys made from China and they, they how many of you have had toys break the same day, right? It's like, it's Christmas day and they're already broken, right? I got to tell you, I've never had anybody come and go, hey, I'd like my money back from drilling that water well. You're, you're going you're gonna to get to heaven one day. And you're going to meet thousands, tens of thousands of people, because we got eternity to meet people. And they're going to go, hey, in my community, everything changed. When you gave a gift to your church and you put it together and you guys drilled wells in our community. I told stories on Friday night of what happened in Liberia and one of the first areas we drilled water wells. It became a totally different place. It went from being a place where people were struggling, they were unhealthy, they weren't well. It went from a place where in most of those uh, communities in Liberia, when Ebola hit, it spread like a wildfire and people died. You know what happened in the communities where we drilled water wells? Zero people got Ebola, zero because they weren't drinking from waters and streams. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. The earliest church started to gather money because people needed food and water. And in Jerusalem, they didn't have the basics. And they gathered this money, and this is what Paul told them, and it's true. He said, for this mission, he says, you've given your money and I'm gonna bring it, and now we're gonna feed people, we're gonna get them water, we're gonna get them the basics. He says, for this mission, we'll do more than bring food and water to fellow believers in need. It will overflow in a cascade of praises and thanksgivings for our God. 
When this mission reaches Jerusalem and meets with the approval of God's people there, they will give glory to God because your confession of the gospel of the anointed one led them to obedient action and your generous sharing with them and with all exhibited your sincere concern because of the extraordinary grace of God at work in you. They will pray for you and long for you. Praise God for this incredible, unbelievable, indescribable gift. Ecclesia, your life has meaning. And when you lean into the things that matter, it's a great life. If you want to invest in your image and how you look to people and live this life of insecurity where you're hustling for your worthiness, have at it. But I promise you, it will be challenging at best. If together we say, what matters to me is that I get to care for my brothers and sisters near and far. We get to be a part of a world where at the Venezuela border, where thousands of meals go out each week, because we built a kitchen and we fund meals there, people celebrate. They don't know you by name, but they know you. They know this church in Houston does it. When, when in, in Ukraine that bread goes out, when in all these communities we see water wells drilled, it becomes the best thing we can be a part of. And so I wanna invite you to give your best gift this year. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org. 